0: Turning your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, verses 16 through 18. 1 Thessalonians, New Testament, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 16 through 18. I'm going to be reading it from the Amplified. I'm starting to get a liking for the Amplified. You're maybe seeing me read from there a little bit more. And then we're also going to be using Philippians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. Don't let that confuse you. Again, it'll be up on the screens, and you can follow along. Philippians 2, 13 through 15. So two different texts this morning that will build our message. In Thessalonians chapter 5, the Bible says, Rejoice always and delight in your faith. Be unceasing and persistent in prayer. In every situation, say every. every. In every situation, no matter what the circumstances, be thankful and continually give thanks to God. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Let's go over to Philippians chapter 2. In Philippians, the Bible says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. I'm going to say that again. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. And then I'll insert this as a result. Verse 14, Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Give thanks to God. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for this awesome awesome day that you have given us to be in the house of the Lord like I always like to say I believe that there are no accidents in you and so Lord uh, this morning you are lining up some divine appointments Lord you are causing us oh God to be open uh, to receive the word of the Lord and and whether it's encouraging or whether it's a challenge uh, and whether it feels positive to us or kind of like we're taking some hits we know that God you're Holy Spirit is here to teach us he's here to comfort us he's here to counsel us and I pray God that you would open our minds that you would open our hearts but especially that you would open our ears to hear what you are saying this morning and so Lord have your way in Jesus name God's people said amen Amen. you may be seated good 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 And so a large dog walks into a butcher shop carrying a purse in its mouth. Now listen, he puts the purse down and he actually sits in front of the meat counter. And so the butcher asks, what is it, boy? Want to buy some meat today? Woof, barks the dog. Hmm, he says, says the butcher. What kind? Liver, bacon, or steak? Woof, woof. Smart dog bacon. <laughs> how much? Listen, I can make the illustrations however I want. <laughs> and how much bacon do you want, boy? A half pound, a full pound, or three pounds? Woof, woof, woof. Again, so smart. Amazed, the butcher, he wraps up the bacon and finds uh, the money inside of the dog's purse. And, but as the dog leaves, an intrigued man waiting in line is watching every single thing happen. And so he decides out of curiosity to to follow after the dog and he goes down the street following the dog with the purse and with the bacon. As the dog decides to enter an apartment building, he climbs up three floors of stairs and begins scratching, almost knocking on the door. And with that, the door swings open wildly, and a very angry man starts shouting loudly at the dog. But the man that followed the dog yelled, Stop it! He, This is the most intelligent animal I have ever seen. Intelligent, says the man. Listen, this is the third time this week he's forgotten the keys. <laughs> a few years ago, I, I came across... Uh, this article, on the opposite of Thanksgiving. And I thought it had some great wisdom for us as we approach this very special holiday. I love Thanksgiving. Anybody love Thanksgiving? Hallelujah. We know that that holidays are a challenge for some, but God's grace is available. And so the author of the article said that we usually think of opposites in in terms of a simple either-or relationship such as light and darkness, large or small, heavy and light, far or near. But there are some relationships which are more complex, where there is more than one characteristic that can be the opposite of, an, of another. For example, in comparing a good meal with a bad one, there are different factors that we can consider to, to reach a judgment on whether it's good or bad. Like most of you know already that I love bacon. And so to me, almost anything with crispy bacon or, or even bacon all by itself is a good meal, in my opinion. And for me, the factor that leads to that opinion is most likely the taste, but also the crunchy texture, which I happen to enjoy. That determines how much I like bacon. Now, listen, I like it less when it's undercooked, cooked, which means that I'll eat a little less or it just goes in the microwave for a little bit. But if I were a health freak... I might not think that bacon makes a good meal because of, of the calorie and the fat and the cholesterol concerns. And I know that some of you are praying for me on that regard. You have heard too many bacon jokes and, and too many bacon references and I appreciate your prayers. I get it. You, you, some of you, you want me to eat veggie bacon and it's just not going to happen. Uh, the author goes on to say there's more than one opposite for being thankful. Listen. There's more than one opposite for being thankful. In fact, if you think of the term opposite as being rooted in opposing something, the issue actually becomes a little clearer for you and I. See, this morning, the words like apathy, entitlement, impatience, envy, anger, greed, and worry, all those words are opposed to Thanksgiving. In fact, apathy expresses an I don't care attitude and reflects a lack of appreciation for your circumstances. You might find yourself apathetic. Entitlement is when we believe that we have a right to something, but generally we're not really thankful when we get it. Entitlement, I deserve this. It's mine. Why is it sitting in in the back of your closet then? Why why are you not paying attention? Why are you not using it? And when we're impatient, I know no one's impatient. When we're impatient, we're usually irritable. And so it follows that we're not thankful about our current situation. Envy actually causes us to focus on what others have that we don't. It also leads us away from being thankful. Or when we become angry, it's usually a reaction uh, to something that we don't think should have happened. And so we're not thankful for it. But greed, greed always wants more and is never satisfied or thankful for what it does have. And, and worry, by definition, is focused on a possible future event. And so it, bre- it prevents us from being thankful and enjoying the very present day that you are living in. Again, all of these words are opposed to Thanksgiving. And listen, the the word that the the Lord wants me to focus on this morning is one that I have a long history with, and, and maybe some of you do too. In fact, it's not a word that I'm frankly proud of, and because of my personal struggle with it, as usual, I did not want to preach this message this morning, but Jesus won. Now some of you are like, oh no, where is he going with this? Listen, if I was really immature and and didn't want to overcome it or do better in this area, I would probably blame my mother for modeling it for me all of my childhood. Now, listen, don't get me wrong. I love my mom. I have a lot of great memories, but she didn't accept Jesus Christ until later in life. And, And so I saw a lot of bad things modeled before me. But at the end of the day, you know what? We all make our own decisions. And so no blame game this morning. Let's deal with it. The word that God wants me to focus on this morning as we get ready to celebrate the great and glorious Thanksgiving day is complaining. Complaining. I know none, that none of you has ever complained. Just, just me. Just Pastor, because he doesn't like snow. Just just me. Just me, because I can be a big mouth, and social media is so easy. Now, thankfully, I've improved a lot in this area, but I still have a lot of work to do to surrender more to Jesus. And and listen, I'll be honest, I'm striving more and more every day to grow and to be more like Jesus. And so here we go again. See, thanksgiving and complaining are two words that express two contrasting attitudes found in God's people in regard to his dealings with them. And listen, if we're not careful, we could easily overlook thanksgiving because we feel justified by complaining. I want to say that again. If we're not careful, if we're not careful, we can easily overlook thanksgiving because we feel justified by complaining. And so it's been said that the soul that gives thanks can can find comfort in almost everything, but the soul that complains can find comfort in nothing. I found that to be true even in my life. There's a, a highway sign leading into Yankton, South Dakota that once read Yankton Yankton, South Dakota, the home of thirty thousand friendly people and a few soreheads. <laughs> soreheads? Listen, I, I had no idea what sorehead was, and so I Googled it. Amen. Thank God sometimes for Google. And it's basically a disapproving person who easily becomes angry or upset. Another word for a sorehead is insert name. No, just kidding. Another word for sorehead is complainer. And see, the truth is we all become sore heads from time to time, but we might call it by different words like griping or, or grumbling or uh, grumbling, or whining or belly aching. And the King James Bible, the, the common word there for use for complaining is murmuring. But either way, complaining has become a great American pastime. And sadly, we live in a very disgruntled society. See, just about everybody complains. And why not? There's so much to complain about, uh, like traffic and taxes and gas prices and rigged elections and, and troubles of all kinds. But complaining by itself doesn't make any of those things better, does it? Somebody said that on the seventh day, God rested, and on, a, on the eighth day, God started answering our complaints. In fact, a little bit of trivia this morning. Does anybody know who the first complainer was? I do. Remember in the book of Genesis, when God confronted Adam about his sin of disobedience and Adam looked at his wife and said, Lord, the woman you gave me basically caused me to sin. And so Adam, the first man, actually to complain to God about his wife. Imagine that. And see, at the root, complaining is just a symptom. And if you seriously think about it, uh, the real problem when we complain, I need you to get this, the real problem when we complain is our failure to trust God in those moments of complaining. In fact, the next time we complain, we need to ask ourselves why we're complaining in the first place. Like, when we complain about someone, are we trusting that God will help them by complaining Are we trusting that God will help us to be more understanding and patient with them by complaining? Are we praying for that person as much as we're complaining about them? And what about when we complain about life itself? See, something bad happened, and clearly we're upset about it. And so we get all over what is easiest in social media with our situation, half hoping to get pity or wanting understanding or even some kind of help. Sometimes it is a cry for help. But how are we really trusting God in those moments of complaining? Listen, this Thanksgiving season and every day, really, I want to encourage us to think twice before complaining and to intentionally develop an attitude of gratitude, and this is why. I'm gonna give you three reasons. Number one, complaining denies God's sovereignty. Complaining denies the sovereignty of God. Listen, in the Old Testament book of Numbers, God had greatly blessed the nation of Israel Delivering them supernaturally from awful slavery in Egypt, protecting them against their enemies day in and day out, even miraculously supplying daily bread from heaven and water from the earth in the desert. And yet, they still complained. They complained about their food. They complained about the imaginary luxuries that they left behind as miserable slaves in Egypt. They even complained against their own leaders. Poor Moses had to deal with their complaining day in and day out. And so Numbers 11.1 says, And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. And the Lord heard it, and his anger was kindled. And then later, when when the Jews complained about the manna that he provided from the sky, from heaven, in verse 10, it says that the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly, greatly. And The Bible actually tells us at one point that God was so angry with their complaining that he consumed some of them with fire, and so he wiped them out off the face of the earth, for complaining, some of us ought to be glad that God doesn't deal with us that same way. I would have been gone a long time ago. I would have been gone. Thank God for His grace, Amen. amen? Listen, was the Lord only displeased specifically by what they complained about? Or was He generally displeased that they were complaining, period? See, you may disagree with me this morning, but I believe that God is displeased with complaining in general. See, the sovereign God of the universe mightily showed his power with plagues and, and, and the Israelites left Egypt wealthy. They went through the Red Sea. He parted it so that they could walk through the Red Sea on dry land. And then God destroyed the Egyptian army that followed them by closing in the waters that he had parted. So God was really good to the Israelites. And their their success upon entering the promised land depended on the sovereignty of God. And yet by murmuring and complaining in the desert, they were actually calling into question God's ability to carry out his will after all that he had already done for them. Listen, that's denying the sovereignty of God. I want you to think about that in your own life when we complain. Isn't God big enough? Isn't God able? Yeah. Listen, complaining, of course, is just a surface symptom of a much deeper problem called discontent. And the murmurings and grumblings are evidence that we've, we're somehow dissatisfied with the way that God is doing things or allowing things to happen in our lives. But the solution to the problem is very basic this morning. Recognize the discontent and then instead of complaining, acknowledge that God always knows what's best for us and trust Him. The issue is that we would never say it with our words, but we don't always trust God we don't always think that God has our best interest in mind because he's not doing it quick enough, because you've been praying for so long, because all of this stuff is happening and it's out of your control. And and if you were God, well, if if you were God, God help us. Listen, every single complaint against our circumstances, every grumble about the weather like the snow, about the way people treat us, about the daily trials of life is, we- is really, whether we realize it or not, directed against the one who works all things for good. So God help me. God help us. Again, God is sovereign. And Sue, so who exactly am I to put God under cross-examination for how he decides to work? Am I in a better position to judge what is and what is not good for me? And how far can I really see into the future? So who am I to strike out against God by complaining? See, the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 16 is literally in a Philippian jail cell for doing the will of God, and so he has been incarcerated for doing something great and for doing something good, and, and if anybody could have had the right to complain, it was the great Apostle Paul during his lifetime following after Christ. We know that the Apostle Paul was whipped, and he was beaten with rods, he he was stoned for sharing the faith, and he was shipwrecked, and he was robbed, and he went hungry he suffered thirst and sleeplessness and so much more but we don't ever see the apostle paul complaining we just don't see it instead say instead Instead, Paul is rejoicing, feeling so blessed that he could suffer for the cause of Christ. I remember as a new Christian reading that, going, is the man crazy? Is he, like, he is excited that he just got incarcerated. He is excited that he just got whipped. He is excited that people threw stones at him and he almost died for preaching the gospel. See, Paul trusted in the sovereignty of God. It's what we need to do more often. Because God is in control and he knows all things. And yet one big problem with our complaining is that it focuses on what is frustrating us and and it forgets about the big picture, which again, God sees and God knows. For example, the Jews in Numbers 11 went on to complain about the the manna that God had provided supernaturally from the sky. Think about it, you're you're cutting through the desert, you are parched, you are dry, you are getting ready to die. You know, I remember as a a teenager, we took a walk down a, a creek bed, and we just kind of kept going and going, and we thought we were funny and great, and, and we had traveled for hours. We hadn't brought any water. We hadn't brought any food, and it was like 100 degrees that day, and let me tell you what, I thought I was going to die, and listen, that nasty, dirty street, uh, dirty uh, uh, stream, all of a sudden that water started to look really good. It didn't matter what I saw floating through it, and there had been several hours since I had had a drink and I could hardly speak. I don't know if you've ever been that thirsty, where your lips are are chapped and where your your throat is closing up because you need water. That was me. And the children of Israel, they were in that place walking through the desert, and God supernaturally provides for them some bread in the manna And then he opens up the ground and all of a sudden there's there's a a spring that, that comes forth of fresh water. He had provided that for them. And yet they talked about the great food that they ate while they were slaves in the land of Egypt like it was the good old days or something. Um, did they seriously forget that while they were in Egypt, they were absolutely miserable? And now guess what? You are free. You are free to roam. You are free to go. Nobody's whipping you. Nobody's uh, uh, wanting you to work 14, 15 hours a day making bricks and, and removing the, the resources that you need to make a good brick, but increasing the numbers and, and the whips are coming forth and, and the hot sun and 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 they forgot. About all of that. Like, if God went on vacation. See, complaining is always an expression of unbelief towards God's sovereignty in our life. Like we forget that he's in control and we are not. Or like I said, we think he's on vacation and he doesn't really care what's happening to us. And so we get frustrated and we begin to complain and we like for people to hear our complaints. It's not that we complain to ourselves, sometimes we do, but that's not usually where it ends. We like other people to hear our complaint. Some of us speak a little louder. You're in a small room and you want the whole world to know. And you're just a little ridiculous with your complaints. Again, complaining when it comes down to it is unbelief in God's word in Romans 8.28 when it says, all things work together for good to them that love God. I think sometimes we see that verse of scripture and we say it can't possibly include the bad things. It can't possibly include the times when, when we feel like we're all alone. It can't possibly include this brokenness and this messed up season that I'm in. And times when I feel like I'm all alone, like God has abandoned, abandoned me. It can't possibly include those times. But I, I again, I'm not an English major, but the word all, it means all. All things working together for good. And God is working on our behalf. And so, what we need to do is we need to stop complaining and start thanking the Lord daily for the sovereign plan that he's working together for us. Listen, uh, during the season, we have a great opportunity to every single day. I thank you, Jesus, for this. I, I thank you, Jesus, for that. And you guys, some of you are knocking it out of the park. I hope that it becomes a part of your life. I need to do it more. I need to be more intentional and more deliberate. Remember, complaining denies God's sovereignty. And number two, complaining disrupts Christian unity. Complaining disrupts Christian unity. See, later in the book of Numbers, the children of Israel are standing by the edge of of Canaan, the promised land, the land that God had promised to them many years before. Again, these people had experienced firsthand the delivering power of God, releasing them from Egypt, providing for them along the way, and they even saw the presence of the Lord as He led them with a, a cloud of smoke by day and a pillar of fire by night. How cool is that? They saw that. And so Moses was instructed by God to send out 12 spies to check out the promised land. And now, listen, it wasn't like God didn't already know what was there. That they were actually going to have to defeat the Canaanites to get into the land. But I believe that God wanted to test their faith and their trust in him. And see, God wanted the Israelites to know what they were up against, and he wanted them to still choose to move forward with complete faith in him because God was on their side. Some of you need to be reminded that God is on your side. When things aren't going just right, God is on your side. When things seem like they're messed up and they're going from worse to worse. I know you've never been there, but I've been there with things. When it rains, it pours, and things are happening, and we just don't understand. But God knows. God knows. When the the spies returned from their mission, the Bible tells us that 10 out of the 12 spies affected the whole nation of Israel by their complaining. Numbers 14, 2 says, and all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron and by default against God, uh, the 10 spies gave the people a fearful and evil report by complaining and all of the people picked up on it. As a result, that generation, listen, there's, there, there's a consequence about your complaining. As a, as a result, the generation, that generation of Israelites did not inherit what God had promised to them. Their complaining, their lack of faith, their disunity completely shaped the history of Israel. And so they literally spent the next 40 years wandering and complaining in the desert instead of experiencing the power and the faithfulness of God in the promised land. The people were not in one accord to take the land and instead their disunity was on display for all the world to see. I can't help this morning but to wonder What would have been different if the 10 spies had not complained and stood in unity with Joshua and Caleb, the two spies that brought the good report? maybe this morning you and I would be reading about all of their thanksgiving and gratitude for the many miracles of God that he did in the land of promise but listen when one dog starts to bark a number of dogs start barking too and when one frog croaks in the pond others begin to croak along with it they influence each other in fact all you need is one disgruntled complainer and it won't be long before it spreads to many because sadly you and I know that misery loves company. I used to think people complained because they had a lot of problems and yet in many, many cases I've come to realize that they have a lot of problems because some people love to complain. And yet, complaining doesn't change anything or make the situation any better. It literally amplifies frustration. It spreads discontent and sometimes even causes discord. Complaining disrupts Christian unity. And so while it might make me feel better for a minute to gripe and complain, complaining is not the answer. It won't bring any kind of peace to your situation. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Don't worry about anything, and I will insert, stop complaining. Don't worry about anything, and stop complaining. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need, and thank Him for all He's done. Then, say then, you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Again, stop worrying and stop complaining. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all He's done. Then peace will come. How many of us would love for peace to come in those times of trouble, in those times when things are just messed up? So remember, complaining denies God's sovereignty. It disrupts Christian unity. And finally, I want to close with this. Uh, Worship team, come. Number three, complaining discredits Christian testimony. Complaining discredits Christian testimony. Don't forget our text. In Philippians 2, it said, Do everything, say everything. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one will criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God shining like bright lights in a world uh, full of crooked and perverse people. In other words, this is the very reason why we should do all things without complaining. So that you will be a blameless Harmless, above reproach, child of God. That is your testimony, or it should be. See, as children of God, we represent Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world, and how you live has a dramatic impact on you and on others. But a Christian who's always grumbling and complaining is harmful to the cause of Christ and to the name of Jesus. See, it's not good. your testimony and you're not really setting a good example. The truth is nobody likes to be around people who are always grumbling and complaining anyways. The world is not attracted to those kind of people. Your complaining discredits your testimony A young girl surprised her mother with a very beautiful and unexpected gift that she had purchased with her allowance. The little girl said, Mom, this is for you because you work so hard and and nobody seems to appreciate it around around here. Her mother attempted to be modest by saying, Well, your father works hard too, sweetie. And she replied, I know, but you don't complain about it. That little girl was watching. The world is watching. In fact, I wonder what the other nations thought about the Jews as they unnecessarily wandered in the wilderness for 40 whole years. I I wonder if they heard about the miracles that God had done for them to escape Egyptian slavery and to care for them in the desert. I mean, even if they didn't know about the promise that God had made to the people of Israel, watching them wander aimlessly must not have looked very appealing to the world. And if they heard the, the children complaining in the wilderness, I wonder what they thought about that. On the other hand, we have Paul and Silas in jail. In jail. They, they must have had a, a tremendous testimony for Jesus in that jail cell. They were in chains for the cause of Christ. And they decided that having a prayer meeting and praising God was the best thing that they could do in there. Acts 16.26 says, Suddenly there was a massive earthquake. The prison was shaken to its foundations. All of the doors immediately flew open and every chain on every prisoner fell off. The Bible says that after Paul stopped the jailer from committing suicide because the jailer was like, oh no, I'm going to have to respond if these prisoners escape. But after Paul stopped them from committing suicide, the jailer got saved and all of his household too. Their testimony, the testimony of Paul and Silas, stood out and others were impacted by their faith and trust in God during that time in prison. But I wonder if Paul and Silas would have been complaining and griping about their situation instead of praying and praising. What if Silas had said to Paul, Paul, you big head, you had to show off and cast out that demon. Look at the trouble we're in now. Why couldn't you have just kept your mouth shut and let that demon-possessed person go alone? Listen, if that dialogue had taken place, do you think that the jailer would have ever asked, what must I do to be saved? I doubt it. He probably would have said, if this is what Christians are like, I don't ever want to be one. See, Crosspoint family, our testimony is always important. People are watching and listening, and a thanksgiving life will always be used by God to influence the loss and to reach others for his kingdom. And so Christians should not be complainers. God, help us. The Bible is very clear that complaining doesn't please the Lord, no matter how harmless it may seem. Snow. Thanksgiving is a great time of year to remind ourselves how blessed we really are and how thankful we should really be. So next time we find ourselves complaining, remember, complaining denies the sovereignty of God. Complaining disrupts our Christian unity. Complaining discredits our Christian testimony because complaining is the opposite of thanksgiving. So let's stop complaining and let's start giving thanks to God every single day of our lives. Stand to your feet. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you, Lord, for the Thanksgiving meal that many of us are getting ready to celebrate this week coming. We thank you, God, for your goodness. We thank you, God, for your grace. You have blessed us in so many ways. And, and Lord, we are here this morning because we want you to work on us. We want you to speak to us. We want you to lead us into this Thanksgiving season uh, with a good heart, with a good mind, knowing that how we live and how we speak lines up. And so, Lord, help us when we murmur and complain. Father, help us to guard our tongue, to guard our mouth, that let no corrupt communication proceed out of these mouths, God. Help us to honor you with our life and with our words. In Jesus' name, God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's close out with worship.